welcome back. I'm here with my dear, dear colleague. And I want to say friend now. Can we be friends? Rebecca? Let's be friends. Yes, I love that. So I appreciate you taking the time to do this. This is twofold. One, my humans just need to know who you are and what you're doing and what you're about. And two, we are leading up to a very exciting conference. And so I want to talk about who you are and what you're doing first. And then I want to talk about a conference. So thanks for having a chitty chat with me. Here we are. Rebecca, tell me about you and tell me about SDAC. Tell me about why you're doing the work you're doing, how you landed in all this. Wow. <clears throat> Stacy, thanks for uh, having me here. And and who am I? Gosh, I am this person that was gifted with an incredible story of adversity. Mm. And, you know, um, my mom has aces. I have aces. I did a fantastic job of repeating cycles um, and brought three little boys into trauma and poverty and chaos. And at 37 years old, I almost drank myself to death. Mm. And, you know, I always say God sent an army for me. He sent a school system to wrap around me and my kids. Um, he sent a 12-step fellowship and he sent um, a poverty project. And so in you know, that same year that I got sober, uh, I started attending a poverty project that's designed to help families climb out. Mm. And I'd already been in college for a decade, already, you know, trying to get a four-year degree to be a high school art teacher. But I went to this poverty project um, out of this debt that I felt like I owed this church secretary who had basically been a part of diapering my baby for a full year and went to this poverty project thinking, you know, I'm already doing everything to get out of poverty. What are these people going to teach me? And I found this fellowship where everything started to change and come together. Mm. So they helped me finish college and I went to work for that nonprofit and got to be a part of building the largest, most successful poverty project like that in the country. You know, we just started, families just started climbing out. And we're like, what is happening, right? And because of all that, I was super, like in college, they had taught us something about birth to five brain science, right? And they said, you know, from zero to five, the architecture of the brain is built and at age five, it's set or fixed. And I just remember sitting in that class as a, as a student thinking, well, number one, we don't even get kids in public education until they're five. And number two, zero to five for me was like, and so I'm like, this is just really defeating, right? Mm -hmm. And, but when I started to have all of these experiences with um, recovery and with this nonprofit and all these relationships with these middle-class people that were just like invested in us, and I got to be a part of something much bigger than myself, like I felt something functionally changing in my brain. Mm. And at some point I started um, subcontracting for ESDAC to go into schools and talk about poverty, right? And because I knew we could get people out. And I knew that schools didn't necessarily see themselves as a place that got kids out of poverty. It was more like maintaining poverty. Mm -hmm. And I knew I wanted to bring something to schools that was bigger than just raising compassion. Mm. And I felt something functionally changing in my own brain. So all of a sudden I was beginning to be able to see way forward. I was becoming less reactive 
And I was becoming trusting of people I didn't know. Like I was able to walk into new places with people who weren't like me and be okay. And I'm like, something's happening, right? And so I remember I was keynoting on a stage one time and I'm like, look, I'm not a researcher, but I'm telling you relationships change brains. And I was working with all these families in this poverty project, all of my people, I got to be their coach. And I was watching that same phenomenon play out over and over again. And I'm like, okay, something's happening, right? So I started like researching the brain on poverty and I figured out people were studying this. And I'm like, wow, this is a thing. And because of that fascination, I accidentally stepped into the brain on trauma. And then more importantly, I found the science of resilience. And I realized that our birth to five brain science was wrong and that you know, brains want to heal and can heal at any age. They need access to safe, supportive, available adults to do so. And so, you know, I found my story. I found my people's story. I found this huge story of hope. And I realized this is what I can take into schools. And so, you know, that was in 2015. And I just started trying to figure out how to take trauma informed into schools and help educators understand, like, there's no lost causes and we can change outcomes, right? So I'm in 2017, ESDAC hired me full-time. And over the last several years, um, I've got to build a team around me. And we've been down in the thick of it, bringing the neuroscience into classrooms. And you know, Stacey, we just have a lot of educators that are experiencing a lot of um, adversity in the field. Lots of kids come in with stuff and a system that isn't tuned into what to do so much. And so anyways, that's kind of the the long and the short of that. ESDAC is a service center. So in some places they call them BOCES and other places they call them. Um, uh, but basically we um, do professional development for schools. So Rebecca, you are such a beautiful gift. And I just want to pause and acknowledge your story and just say thank you for sharing it. It's a big deal when part of this chitty chat work that I'm doing is looking at the professionals I love and the colleagues I've fallen in love with along the journey and seeing the human behind them. Mm-hmm. And you just unpacked an entire human story in three minutes. <laughs> and it's really important to acknowledge those pieces of who you are and how you landed here. And so you're giving us this rich vulnerability that says, I almost died from drinking. I brought my kids into this situation. I have my own ACEs. I was raised by ACEs. I am trying to break cycles. I'm learning about brain development. I have yet to meet a, a professional and a colleague who becomes my friend that I fall in love with that doesn't have this story that is so deep and so meaningful and part of this doing the work is living the work. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say thank you for that. I want to acknowledge that because it's a, it's a big deal to share all of that. Stacey, thanks for um, being curious about us as people, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the people who who this all resonates with, right, are the people who've been traumatized. Mm-hmm. And, and traumatized others, right? You know, 100%. I think that's such an important conversation that we move into this space where we realize this is this is all of us, right? We've all been harmed and we've all caused harm. Yeah. 
And the way out is for me to get inside, right? And I need people to help me do that, to have the courage to go in there and kind of look around and and hold space for my own experiences, but also hold space for the people who um, who might have caused a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Really look at their pain. Yeah. And until we can kind of get there in this movement where we move away from this good guys and bad guys and us and them, um, because that's where the the post traumatic growth lives, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's the piece where this is so important to me to be doing these conversations because there's lots of us who are putting this good stuff out in the world, and I never want there to be a disconnect that this person knows better because they're putting it out in the world. No, this person is putting it out in the world because they've experienced these things, mm-hmm. and they want to share their story, and this is how they're doing it. Yeah. You know, Stacey, I think the most meaningful change that has ever come about for me is where I stopped looking at what has happened to me. And I really started looking at what have I done? Mm. And, you know, and it took a long time to get to that place where I could psychologically shift. Mm. Um, And not only what have I done, but how can I restore that with the people that are available for me to restore it with? Right. And so, you know, that has brought me a deep sense of connectedness. Mm hmm. And I think also humility and empathy, and and I don't claim to be a humble person, but I I want to be a humble person when I grow up, right? Like, yeah. um, but just this idea that um, a harm is a collective experience, right? And so is healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And relationships are the pieces we're healing, right? We don't heal outside of a relationship. That's right. Yeah. I just wanted to pause and acknowledge those pieces, Rebecca, because one of the themes that's happening in my own life is this discussion of vulnerability as a strength, Mm -hmm. right? And vulnerability and sharing the hard parts. I very distinctly remember when I gave my kids an A score. Yeah. Yep. And I also very distinctly know how to offset said A score. And that's the beauty of all of this. So thank you for sharing those pieces. Now let's talk about our conference. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I want to hear you, you love, you've been to this conference. I've not been to this conference. You've facilitated this conference. You've organized this. So I want to hear, how did it come to be? What is this conference? Who should attend? What should they look forward to? All that good stuff. Stacey, you always have to remember that I'm coming in from um, an experience of feeling unseen, of not being allowed a place at the table, of having this, you know, storyline running in my head that everybody in my in my community would just they just wish me and my kind would just go away, right? So it's it's that sense of felt danger when you walk into a bank and everybody's like, nobody says anything, right? So this is the, this is the baggage I'm carrying. And then these middle-class people built this poverty project and they said, Hey, you guys come to the table with us, come be with us. We want to know what you think and what you need. And we want to be a part of you building like, so that's kind of like this. So when we think about bridging to resilience, um, I met Jim at a conference, Jim Spore leader, and I'd seen paper tigers and he just sat and he talked to me. And he wanted to know about my life. And it was one of those, and Jim's like that with everybody. You know, Jim Jim wants to know deeply about every human that God brings into his path. And he also just has this open door of friendship, right? And so I just, you know, showed up to cultivating this friendship with him. 
And when I went to work for ESDAC full time, I had these learning centers and they had kids in them that were getting kicked out of high schools, right? Mm-hmm. And part of when I went to work for ESDAC, I said, I want to build more poverty projects. And they were like, that's great. So I'm consulting in schools. I'm building poverty projects with parents that many would label as at risk. Um, and uh, I've got all these kids that are getting kicked out of the high school, right? And so these are kind of the pieces that that and I knew that we should have a conference and we should somehow bring all of these pieces together around adversity and the science of trauma and the brain and the body and more importantly resilience and hope and healing. So we had our first conference and we had parents there. We did a parent panel um, with parents from different poverty projects that were willing to get on stage and talk to educators. We brought kids in from the learning centers to talk about um, some adversity, but more importantly, what had made a difference in their education and the people who showed up that changed outcomes and caused them to see a future. Mm. God, that's powerful. That gave me goosebumps. And um, I knew that we wanted educators in the room and that, you know, so for me, kind of the thought process was we need to continue to create a, a, a theory of best practice that says whenever we're having events, the people that were having the events about should be in the room leading with us. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And remember that's what happened to me. So it wasn't something I thought up, right. I just had that experience and I'm like, it works. Mm -hmm. You know, if we can get people to the table to talk about solving the issues they're experiencing, they are our greatest light um, forward. So we had our first conference in 2018 and it was like, people were blown away. Um, they were blown away by the kids. They were blown away by the parents. The parents were blown away by the educators. You know, everybody saw kids that they had in their building by the kids that were on stage, you know, talking to us. Um, the kids were like, they'd never been to something like that. It was just so cool, right? Like, and since then we've gathered faith-based leaders and we've gathered nonprofits and we've gathered systems, right? And it's not just about education. And so bridging to resilience and there's just sweet space of what some people are like, it almost feels like a revival. And I'm like, I've never been to a revival, but that's awesome. You know? And so, um, I don't know. It's really, it's a, it's a really different experience. I think, I think conferences are powerful and people come away with a lot of, um, hope and energy and new learning and strategies. There's something about bridging to resilience though, that stands out as authentic, I think. And I'm not saying that other places aren't authentic, but there's something mm-hmm. raw, Stacey. It's raw. It's raw and it's vulnerable and it 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 challenges people, but in a really amazing, safe, let it all go on the floor way, right? Love that. Well, and there's a few things you're talking about, right? One, you're focusing on resilience. Yeah. I always say trauma-informed practices and the strategies behind that are my religion. <laughs> like uh-huh. I love, I love the components of brain science and resilience. And these are the things we know that works and that uniqueness of bringing the people together in all areas, right? I've asked, people have asked me to very much silo myself. Do I work with parents? Do I work with kids? Do I work with military members? Do I work with educators? No, I work with humans. We work with people. We work with humans. Right. And when you bring them all, yep. yep. And when you bring them all in one area, in one space, I can imagine the powerfulness of that. So what I'm saying is all people can attend. All people can attend. Yes. Um, There's something there for everyone. Uh, and Stacey, something this year, you know, we've been in pretty glamorous, beautiful venues for the last couple of years, hotels. And 
um, since COVID, that's been interesting because you get into these big contracts with hotels and there's just a lot of stress and anxiety around that for us as an organization. Um, the last couple of years, we have not broke even hmm. and it's not about making money for us, but you still have to kind of pay the bills. Right. And so sure. this year I was like, you know what? And so we put our heads together and we're going to a venue in Wichita that's on a college campus, not glamorous, no bells and whistles. Uh, but we were able to get the cost from $450 down to 189, right? And so that also helps us make sure that more people can attend because um, so it's not cost prohibitive. Love that. Love that, right? The more people that are there, the more people that hear the messages. The other thing is there is something about a space that just feels comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It regulates our nervous system. Yeah. I love that. So if you could take like, what is one of the biggest takeaways you've ever had from this conference that you could share with people to just kind of look forward to their own takeaways, right? We all have our own takeaways, but what's one that you've had on a personal level from, from hearing and being in all of these spaces? Well, I will say on a personal level, there's two things I would say to that on a personal level, Um, I've watched the kids and the parents that come that I'm close to be changed. Mm. So like, like, because there's such an us and them with schools and families and it's, and it happens in middle-class wealth, poverty, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, and parents come back and they're like, I didn't know how much teachers cared. I didn't realize how much in how invested they were. I didn't realize that what it cost them emotionally and spiritually and, you know, in their families, like they just come away with this different respect for the profession and the people who are in the trenches with their kids every day. And Love they that. come away motivated to be partners. Love that. Um, and I've seen that play out time and time again. So that part's really precious to me because, you know, once I started letting the school into our lives, even though I was scared, like they, you know, there's some really good people inside of a, a school building, right? And if we can get rid of the adversarial crap, like powerful things happen for our kids, even in the middle of all the struggle, right? Um, and I've watched the kids come away too with some new new ideas. Uh, and then on a professional level, I've watched educators walk away different, changed. Mm-hmm. Like it's like all of a sudden, most of us in a trauma-informed journey have a day where all of a sudden the paradigm was cemented. Mm-hmm. couldn't unsee it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that happens to educators at this conference. It happens to professionals at this conference. All of a sudden, they experience something that shifts a paradigm in them. You can see it. On day one, people kind of normal conference eyeballs, right? Yep. Day two, something starts happening. And by day three, they're just completely undone. Right? <laughs> it's like it's never failed. And I'm like, because, and they, and they give us in the feedback. It's so... Yes, great, amazing strategies. Um, I can't wait for you to come because Stacey, that is something I deeply appreciated about you. We've been, there's so much theory and there's so much belief changing, but it's like, okay, how do we put this into action, right? And you have just been out there building action, right? And so like when I found you, I was like, oh, and I found you at a virtual conference with Matthew Portel. And I just, you know, I've watched that particular um, session over and over again, because it's loaded. And then to just be able to turn people onto you, I, you know, a mom, I reached out to the other day and I'm like, got this mom, kindergartner got expelled within four days of school. Mom's overwhelmed, blah, blah, blah. How can we work on getting her your course? And you're like, oh, I already have it for parents. It's right here. Take her to that. And she's watched all of them. She's shown it to three other moms. She's shown it to the para that she's friends with that's helping her little boy. 
tools, right? So I think this year is going to be loaded with more tools because we're getting to that place in the movement where we are building best practice. We are building more application and you have been instrumental in that, Stacey. So um, yeah, I think it's this idea for me personally and professionally that there's no us and them. It's just us. And this conference brings people into that awareness. Yeah. Well, I would just want to acknowledge, thank you. Thank you for saying that. So the reason I have these strategies is because I found this work before I became a parent and I needed to break cycles. And these strategies are based on the real life things that I go through. Yeah. Right. I had a situation with my daughter a couple of weeks ago where she called me from school and said, I need to go home. And I did the whole, how long can you stay? What's going on? Kind of, you know, gauge where her sensory system is, where her stress response system is. Eventually I picked her up from school and she said, mom, can we just go get watercolors and I can watercolor for the next two hours? My sensory system needs to calm down. And I sat with that. Right. And then as I was sitting with that, I was like, you know what happens with kids who don't have a mom that's going to go buy them watercolors and watercolor for two hours. They're going to skip school. They're going to go get high. Yeah. Right. They're going to. And I was like, oh my gosh, this one act that's two hours of her life is saving her life from decisions that are going to regulate. Right. So these strategies are real life strategies that I'm facing as a mother that we have to navigate together. So I just, I, I love that I get the opportunity to serve your people and come and meet them and love them. And then they become my people. And the conference is November six, seven, eight, five, six, seven, eight. Um, And I think it's b2r.org. Resilience. We'll We'll get it in there. We'll put put the link in there so that they have it. Thank you for your time today, Rebecca. I totally, I appreciate you and all the work you're doing and that you're living the work. You are one of the most authentic people I've had the privilege of running into. And I really appreciate that. Stacey, I feel the same way about you. Yeah. There's a reason that God brought us together, right? There is. Yeah. That's this. I mean, there's just these assignments that we get to be on. And then he says, Hey, and you're going to need friends on your assignments and I've got them ready too. And so thanks for letting me find you mm, the available to people. Yeah, Can't wait to hug you in a month, sister. Hey, I can't wait for all my families to meet you and the teachers and the administrators. I'm like, you know, yes. Okay. Yes. All right. I'll see you soon. Thanks for your time. Bye-bye.